This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. Heat pumps are getting a lot of notice these days. These seemingly magical pieces of technology are being touted as a key part of electrifying residential and commercial heating. Not only do heat pumps transition away from fossil-fired boilers, but they have the capacity to replace both the cooling and heating equipment in a building. Today, we're digging into how these heat pumps work, why they show such promise for the energy transition, and why we can start to put to rest some of the myths around whether these things actually work in colder climates. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to reach Earth, or about the length of time your teenage daughter would like to spend with you. A week. Let's get it on. Heat pumps have been around for a while. And you probably already have them in your house, even if you don't know it. If you've ever looked at the coils on the back of a refrigerator, you're looking at the same technology that's becoming an important part of climate action. The only difference is that instead of cooling down a five-foot cabinet to store food, today's space heating applications are designed for entire buildings. The technology, though, isn't much different. A heat pump essentially takes heat from one location and transfers it to another. That's it. So a refrigerator, for instance, steals heat from inside the fridge and pushes it out into the warm room around it, cooling down those strawberries so that they can actually stay fresh. Or an air conditioner. That's right, just a regular AC unit. It blows hot air from inside your house out through a window or to an outside unit, helping keep you cool. When we're talking heat pumps, that's essentially all that they're doing, moving heat from one space to another. And the idea of cooling an area Well, that may make some intuitive sense. But where heat pumps are really fascinating and show a ton of promise is their ability to heat a place too. This may be a little less intuitive, but there's a reversing valve on heat pumps that sends the fluid in the opposite direction, pulling heat from the outside and dumping it into your room in order to warm you up. But how does that work? I mean, if it's 10 degrees outside, where's the heat pump finding any heat in order to warm up our house? This is where the thermodynamics get interesting. And while I won't spend a ton of time on it, I will touch on a bit of the reaction. Okay, the refrigerant used in many heat pump systems is similar to that used in air conditioners, what's known as tetrafluoroethane, or R134A. This is a gas at room temperature. Its boiling point is a steamy negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And as an aside, R134A is getting phased out for newer, more environmentally friendly refrigerants that include gases from the hydrofluoroolefin class, where the boiling point is even further down, as low as minus 25 degrees Fahrenheit. So that means these refrigerants boil even on a cold 10 degree day. The heat pump sends a liquid refrigerant outside into that balmy weather, and then as the refrigerant boils, the gas returns to the interior coils of the heat pump. The pump compresses that gas down, maximizes the heat gain, and then extracts that heat by blowing air over it and returning that air back into your living space. The refrigerant cools down to a liquid again, and the cycle repeats. So yeah, heat pumps are able to extract heat even from temperatures that reach into the negative degrees. This is a big deal and shows just how far heat pumps have come over the past few years. There's an enduring myth that heat pumps, especially air source heat pumps, like the one I just described where the system extracts heat from the outside ambient air, there's a belief that they don't operate very well in cold climates. Well, that's just not true. 
multiple pilot projects conducted by NREL in Alaska and MassCEC in Massachusetts have shown that cold climate heat pumps are more than capable of handling the heating needs for these regions. And the DOE announced in June that Lennox became their first partner with regard to their cold climate heat pump technology challenge, which they achieved by delivering a next generation prototype that can operate at extreme colds. But the myth persists. And so whereas heat pumps are actually pretty popular in southern states, such as South and North Carolina, where about 40% of homes already have them, they've been a tougher sell in the Northeast and Upper Midwest. But for those who don't believe the air-sourced heat pump research quite yet, there are alternatives. See, air-sourced heat pumps simply transfer heat from the ambient air to the house. Ground-source heat pumps, or geothermal, they bury the coils a few feet into the ground, where the temperature is much more stable and never freezes, which means the heat pump is always operating efficiently regardless of the temperature outside. Or water-source heat pumps, they can do something similar by submerging the coils in a nearby stream or pond. The point is that heat pumps are efficient, clean, low-cost ways of getting off of natural gas or oil-burning furnaces, and they represent a real opportunity to electrify. And they may make economic sense too. As gas prices have skyrocketed due to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, for instance, the demand for heat pumps in Europe have really shot up. The IEA estimates that 3 million heat pumps were bought in 2022 in Europe, up from 1.5 million in 2019, and on pace to reach 7 million per year by 2030. And here in the U.S., heat pumps are a big component of climate action too. Washington just announced that any new building must be built with heat pumps. The recent Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, invested heavily in incentives for the technology, offering $1,500 for water heating pumps and up to $8,000 for space heating heat pumps. And the Department of Health and Human Services further allocated a tranche of their $4.5 billion energy efficiency budget towards heat pumps for low and moderate income households. So if you're considering a heat pump, there are a couple of things to think about. First, take note of your actual cold weather risks. In Boston, where I live, the weather hasn't dropped below minus 7 for the last 5 years. So maybe an air-sourced heat pump that's good to minus 15 will work for me. Or do I really need that geothermal unit in order to help alleviate my anxiety? Second, understand what you're replacing. Massachusetts found that the, in their heat pump pilot, a good third of their homes still required a natural gas hookup, mainly because the water heating still required it. And lastly, don't take no for an answer. HVAC replacement often happens because the AC unit broke. I'm guilty of this myself. As our home's AC unit, it busted on us this past summer during a heat wave. Our technician advised a quick replacement of another low-cost AC unit, or we could wait and install a heat pump later and suffer through the high temps for a short period of time. HVAC companies are becoming a lot more educated on heat pumps and their usage, but they still want to make you comfortable, and they feel really comfortable themselves putting in that new train or Lennox AC unit today and keeping you cool. They do tend to push in a certain direction. So what is it? Short-term comfort or the opportunity to level up, save some energy costs, and go green if you can? Heat pumps. Magical little boxes that are at the forefront of helping us transition to clean electric heating. Whether air-sourced, ground-sourced, water-sourced, this technology has been around for a long time and it's still improving every year. And they work. 
even in the coldest of environments. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes. Thank you.